G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This story takes place when I was a senior in high school about six years ago. I had a group of friends that I used to party with and get in all sorts of crazy situations too. And one night we got invited to a party by a mutual friend. His name was Sam. Sam gave us the address of his friend's house where the party was going to be at. His friend's name was Terry. And so we head to Terry's house. And Sam lets us know that he apparently can't make it to the party after all. But we should still go. Super weird because he's the only one who knows Terry. But okay, whatever. The house is in a not so great but not terrible part of town. We sort of walk up to the house that looks super run down. And honestly looked empty too. We're all kind of confused and wondering if it's actually the right house. So a couple of us say, what the heck, and start walking towards the door. As soon as we walk up to the front, the side door to the garage next to the front door opens and Terry walks out to greet us. This guy looks at least 30, maybe 40, and he looked like a stereotypical drug user. Just like a really sketchy character overall. So a lot of red flags have gone off at this point, but he mentions our friend Sam who invited us and he lets us in the house. And this is where I really start to question everything. So I'm the first to walk in and see almost no furniture. There's a plastic folding table, a couch from like the 90s and a tiny old box TV. I think I tried to tell myself that maybe he's just poor. Whatever, we continue walking further into the house. But the main living room is completely empty with an old vintage life sort of size Santa Claus statue in the corner. In the kitchen there's no food and nothing but a foam ice chest cooler on the counter. At this point, all of my friends who are also sketched out jokingly ask him, What's in the ice chest? And with a straight face, he responds, Human organs. Now, it's hard to explain, but the way that he said it... It wasn't funny and honestly, it was really unsettling. We all try to forget that we're in a strange man's house and try to enjoy hanging out, drinking, smoking, etc. But not even an hour goes by and all of a sudden we hear banging on the front door. Our strange host Terry rushes in and says, Well kids, we got cops. All my friends run out the back door leaving me and three other friends behind to deal with the cops. The police don't really care so much about whether or not we're doing anything illegal, but they're more interested in why we're at this house. Because apparently this was a vacant house, and no one had lived there for months. We all sort of awkwardly tried to explain how we actually had no idea who this Terry guy was, and that we had no idea that we were trespassing. After a lecture from the cops about how we could have gotten murdered, they let us go. We never heard anything about Terry ever again and Sam never answered any of our questions about him all that night. And to this day, I still don't know who he was or even what his intentions were. 
As an adult now, I'm very thankful for whoever called the cops that night, because the Lord knows how that night could have actually ended. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This all occurred about five years ago now. I had a friend in high school who I'll refer to as D, And Dee and I were very good friends for a long time. I was having home issues at the time and had developed some anxiety due to it. But I was at his house as much as I could, for comfort and whatnot. I never experienced any sort of weird stuff for at least a few months into knowing him, but as time progressed, that all changed, and progressively things got just worse and worse. I refuse to go over to his house now too, and our friendship has drifted due to this. Keep this in mind too. I don't believe that there was a ghost in his house. I believe that there was something far more dark and sinister. So I want to elaborate on why I think that something of that nature would be attracted to Dee's house and why it would try to harm me. So a bit of background about Dee and his family that I personally think attributed to whatever haunted his house or rather haunted me. They were absolute slobs. I mean their house was filthy and disgusting beyond belief and the more I got to know Dee and his family the more I realized how negative they all were especially Dee who I was best friends with at this time. His dad was an addict and so was Dee an addict to weed, alcohol, food, smoking, anything it didn't matter they just lacked any semblance of self-control pretty much and this I believe was the main cause of it all. You see I got D into PC gaming, and let's just say that he isn't too clever with his browsing history, and I accidentally stumbled onto some particular taste that he has, a very odd specific taste. I won't disclose what it was, but know that it was definitely something that would attract evil, if you believe in that sort of thing. I'm no prude by any means, so trust me when I say I, I doubt that this taste is anything that you've ever looked up at night. Anyway, I started to realize over the months that we were spending together pretty much every day, that Dee was a dark person full of jealousy, hatred, selfishness, and objectively speaking, just a really dumb person. He didn't really try to hide his vices too. But I found a lot of disturbing things in his room and in closets in his house as well. I obviously kept everything to myself and he ended up telling me about his problems with his tastes years later. We both experienced a paranormal event that night, but 
That's a long and an entirely different story, which I'll get to another time maybe. But for now, I think it's important to note that I was raised Christian, whole Christian beliefs, but am generally a, a bad Christian and have struggled with my faith and following what I believe for years. And this hypocritical conviction, I believe, played a significant role in my haunting. His family attended a cultish church that partakes in holy laughter and speaking in tongues, all that stuff. Something I was raised to believe was false and wrong. Whatever was haunting that house only haunted me as well. And still to this day, Dee and his family either think that I made everything up or they just don't care. I don't know which is true, but to be honest, it doesn't matter, I suppose. Anyway, I'll begin with the first experience. So this must have been maybe around six months into being there every day, but it might have been sooner. But I started keeping my gaming PC at Dee's house after knowing each other for a few months. And this came after some other stuff at home happened. And when Dee wasn't home, I would hang out there alone and chill after school. I mean, I practically lived at this place. But I kept all my stuff in his small guest bedroom, which shared a wall with Dee's room. And the first experience I had, I was playing CSGO and heard what sounded like footsteps directly above my head. To give context to people who don't know what CSGO is, it's basically a competitive game that requires a lot of focus, so even though I could hear these sounds above my head, I pretty much just ignored them. And it was the first time that I would hear these footsteps. Footsteps that would become all too familiar. The footsteps always sounded like heavy boots as well like pirate boots on a, on a boat that you'd hear in something like Pirates of the Caribbean, dramatic large thuds with each step. The sounds persisted for at least 10 minutes off and on before abruptly stopping, which was immediately followed by the closet door, a thin sliding plywood door an arm's length away, being hit from the inside extremely hard. Imagine a small child were to run into a door. It was that loud. The desk my monitor was on shook in fact and I was just baffled and stuck in my chair from pure fear. I stared at this sliding door waiting for it to open but it became quiet instead. No footsteps, no banging, nothing. Just a really weird eerie silence. It scared me to the point too where I just sprinted out of the room and to the front of his house where I stayed until Dee got home. I told him what happened and he didn't think much of it. We went into the room and he slid open the door, but of course there was nothing. I searched the whole closet. There were no holes that rats could have come out of, only a few empty cardboard boxes and man, I searched everywhere, but there was nothing. From this point on, it became a, a bit of a norm for me to hear footsteps directly above my head, but only whenever I was there alone. And the footsteps, they would follow me throughout the house too. And occasionally I would stop and they would stop like right above my head. And if I stayed still long enough, they would then begin stomping. I can't emphasize enough just how much they matched my movement too. And this may sound odd, but they sort of reacted to my thoughts, I think. Like, I would think to myself, okay, I'm going to move in three, two, one. Then before I actually move, the footsteps would stomp around and walk in circles. It was horrifying, honestly, and I seriously could not explain it to myself. This was obviously disturbing me, but 
I really didn't have anywhere else to go, so I just tried to ignore it and chalked it up to rats or something. This phenomenon, though, it would happen every few days when I was alone in the house, and each time it would terrify me, and it made me feel so alone. Fast forward a year, maybe, though. I'm lying in bed. It's Saturday morning, and I'm there in the house alone in the guest room. Dee's at work, his parents aren't home, it's 11am and I'm scrolling mindlessly on my phone. Breaking the dead silence instantly though, I hear footsteps in the attic, but this time running from across the house very aggressively to exactly over my head. I remember it vividly too, the running stopped right over my head and I just sort of laid there in fear and in silence looking up at the ceiling. The footsteps, they seemed like they were angry. I know, it's weird saying that footsteps can be angry, but that's the best way I can describe it. And for the first time, I actually felt a presence. I know, it's hard to explain, but imagine your eyes are closed and someone gets very close to your face. And even though you can't see or hear them, you can definitely sense that they're there. And that's how it began to feel with this thing, whatever it was. I would sort of sense it before I heard it, and I became very acute to its presence over the years as well. In any case, it was a good two minutes before I went to get out of the bed, and then, exactly as I had mentioned with the footsteps to the thought of myself moving, a loud crash directly above me, right where I was looking, straight into the ceiling from the attic. And it was as if you were like deadlifting 150 pounds and then just threw it onto the ground as hard as you could. And at that, I immediately sprinted out of the house again. Except this time, I actually walked home because, well, I knew that it was going to be hours before anyone was home. And this is where I started actually dreading sleeping at this house. I mean, what is in this attic? I became sort of obsessed with that question. I told Dee this and he nonchalantly wrote it off as an animal, but... As much as I explained it to him that it reacted to my thoughts, he just didn't think much of it. Anyway, a few days after this, we were in the garage where there's an entryway into his attic. I convinced him to get a ladder and see what we can find in there. I went up first and shined a light deep into the darkness of the room. I couldn't see anything and no amount of money on earth was going to compel me to enter that room, that was for sure. But... Something about it was just wrong. I saw, however, a box. A black box. It was in the back right corner of the attic, right above the guest room. And I could only guess that this was the box that was dropped over my head a few days previous. I had D look and me saw it as well. In hindsight, I sort of wish we had gone in and looked at what was in that box. I'll come back to this later though, but... At this point, I want to clarify that I am completely stable, have no history of schizophrenia or insanity in my family, I'm an extremely rational person, and up until this point, had no interest or belief in spirits or ghosts or demons, and I want to preface this because things get a little bit crazy after this. So Dee had a dog who I'll refer to as P. P and I were pretty much best friends. He was truly an extraordinary dog too. I loved him with all my heart and he comforted me in my lowest moments since life was hard then and I never really opened up to anyone. 
And when I experienced all these things happening to me, the P was there for me. So when I say alone, I, I really wasn't completely alone, I suppose. In fact, I think if P wasn't there, I probably would not have been able to endure it. He was with me every single time that I'd walk to get water or go to the bathroom, make food, and the loud horrifying footsteps would come back instantly over my head. It was basically a jump scare that could come randomly and it made me very paranoid and hesitant to move around in the house to be honest. But whatever it was, it was an abusive thing that enjoyed sort of taunting me and toying with me I suppose. But Dee and his family left for a week to go on vacation at one point and asked me to take care of P. At this point in time, I had two computers. I kept one at Dee's house and one at my own and things had subsided a bit at my house so I didn't spend every night at Dee's house anymore. But I went over to Dee's house pretty much every day and played with P and fed him and whatnot. I would hang out there for a few hours and then I would head home. Now, three days after Dee's family left, I walk into their house and P is just sort of freaking out, barking at something in the middle of his living room. I try to calm him down, but he just won't. He's gnarling and barking as if something was in the middle of the living room. And finally, after what seemed like five or ten minutes, I would guess, he relaxes a bit, still on guard though, and follows me to his food bowl and then into the guest room where I played some games. There were no footsteps though or presence that I was now very sensitive to to be felt or heard, which was a rarity I'll admit. I leave and the next day I come over to the same thing. P is freaking out, this time way more aggressively too. He's moving around the living room but his gaze and posture is poised around the center of this room as he moves around it. But this time, I definitely feel the presence. And as I watch P bark and whimper and freak out, I sort of stand still and try and listen. I listen for at least five minutes and I swear I, I didn't move a single muscle. But P eventually calmed down and looked at me as if he knew I was just standing there listening and he knew that I knew that there was something there. Finally though, I think, alright, well, I don't hear anything. Maybe P is just upset that Dina's family are gone? This is the first time they left since I had known them and they spent a lot of time in the living room together. And as I barely moved like even a centimeter, there were like massive booms right above my head. I must have jumped at least five foot in the air too. But stomping and jumping and clawing on the floor above my head, P starts freaking out and starts to almost attack the air in the middle of the living room, biting and gnashing his teeth. I am thoroughly freaked out, so I just run over to P's food bowl, pour in a lot of food, and I just bail out of that house. And it was around this time that I realized that I really just do not ever want to be in that house again, alone or not. The next two or three days I go over there, P is still freaked out, but no barking or anything related to the living room, and I just quickly fed him and then I left. But... On the last day, the last day before Dee and his family came home, something, something happened. I enter the door and immediately I feel this presence. It's almost as if the air itself gets sort of human and thick. I'm on guard and P is sort of crying this time though. 
I mean, he's literally crying and jumping on me and whimpering as I enter the door. I take one step into the room, and there's a loud footstep right above me. The first step I took into the house, I had gotten almost annoyed with this thing at this point. It was the first step that I took into this house as well, which sort of surprised me a bit. It surprised me a bit too, because normally it sort of takes a minute or two, but this time it was right off the bat. I had gotten almost annoyed with this thing at this point too. I didn't want to bother to stop and listen too, so I just headed straight to P's food bowl. I walk over to the side room where it's kept, and it's missing. The food bag, which is heavy and zipped, is still sitting there obviously, but the bowl is missing looked around and as I walk around the house I hear the footsteps following me in the attic above my head like normal. P is whimpering and every few seconds barking. I walk back out to the living room and what I saw next literally has changed my life ever since. P's food bowl is sitting directly in the middle of this living room right where P had been barking and attacking the air a few days prior. But not only this it was completely full of food. In fact, it was now overflowing with food, as if it was a message. I knew why you were coming here. I remember walking backwards slowly out of the house at this, just sort of stunned. I honestly just barely could believe my own eyes. I shut the door and I got into my car. I forgot to mention too that I drove over with my girlfriend and it was late. She knew about Dee's house and the things that I'd experienced there, so she came to sort of give me, I don't know, some confidence. But she said that when I got out to the car that I was as white as a ghost, and apparently even had tears streaming down my face. Before I even said a word though, I had the car pulling out of the driveway. She frantically was asking me what happened, and it was at this moment that I decided that I would never go to this house alone, ever again. Dee and his family came back and I told them what happened. His mum looked at me like I was a joke and she half listened to me and sort of half listened to the TV show that she was watching. I told his dad that maybe a homeless person was living in the attic and that he has to look in there. And to my surprise, he finally accepted and he and Dee and I walked into the garage with a ladder and his dad peered into the attic with a flashlight. He said that there was nothing in here and I said look into the back right corner. There's a black box there. No there's not. Dee and I sort of looked at each other. And for the first time ever I actually think Dee was finally a bit scared because he definitely saw that black box himself. Dee and I told his dad about the box. I told him that it was thrown at the ceiling floor when I was in the house alone one time. But he didn't care. He just simply shut the attic door, climbed down the stairs, and put the ladder back. I told Dee that I was done sleeping in his house at this point, and I was done staying here at all, period. I told him that if he wants to come over to my house, then that's fine, but I was going to take my computer home, and that was that. He was really angry about it, but... I told him that over the years he never took me seriously and things were going on in this house and I was done. It simply was just too scary for me to be there and after spending so much time there and enduring a lot of hardships in my own personal life, I associated the horror of that house with the anxieties and worries of my own life too. 
Leaving that house for good too was a life-changing decision for me. I don't know why those things happened to me, but in a weird way it made me a stronger person, I guess. Because I had to decide that I was done and I didn't care how I made D feel. I know that sounds selfish and maybe it is, but my whole life I never cared about myself first and this was the first time that I ever did. I have been back over there since I vowed to never go back over again and in the short times that I go over I still feel a presence there. But Dee was a good friend I suppose and he struggles with a lot of his own demons so when he begs me to come over for a few hours I often do. I tried to spend the night there one more time and the sliding closet door was ran into again like the first time as I was falling asleep and this completely solidified my decision to never stay there ever again. But I learned things about Dee after all this went down that made a lot of the evil in the house make a lot more sense. Dee, he was a really disturbed and confused person and his family has a history of really disturbing and sinister events too. Whatever is in his house has forever changed my life and my views on things that are just unexplainable. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So I used to live in Indonesia before migrating to the States, and I remember this one thing that really scared me back then. I was probably 7 or 8 years old about that time, so I guess I can't blame myself if it was just my overactive mind. And I was just scaring myself maybe, but I don't think I was. In either case, here's the story. So, we had a stay-at-home maid at the time, which I think is a pretty common thing in there. My mum would hire some random maid and they would live at our house and get paid until they leave for many reasons. We had a couple of them over the span of me growing up, but this one maid is the reason why I'm writing this. So my family loved her because she was just overall a really good person and helped my mum with daily tasks a lot. One of those tasks being to wake me up for school on school days, and usually I'd wake up to her calling my name a couple of times, and then I would get ready. But this one day I woke up to her voice, like she was having a conversation with someone, but it was just her voice. I don't know what she was saying since I just woke up, but I know that she was calling my name and the thing that scared me was when I opened my eyes, I saw that she had her back turned towards me facing the wall. She kept talking to the wall until I called for her and then she turned around and acted as if I didn't just see her talking to a wall. She then got me ready for school and when I asked her who she was talking to, she said that it was nothing and that she was singing or something like that. I don't remember if I believed her at that time, but I do know that same night, 
I couldn't fall asleep because I was so scared, and it didn't help that my bed position makes me face the same wall. So I told my mum, but she was a Christian and told me to pray and just sleep. That instance only happened once, though, and I've never woken up to my maid talking to the wall again. Anyway, it was a weird situation, and I sort of put it to the back of my mind, and eventually that maid left because of family reasons not too long after, so my mum had to hire a new one. But it wasn't even that long before the new maid left, and I overheard her pleading with my mum one time to let her go because she was so scared of living in our house. She said that when she tries to sleep, she would hear whispers next to her. Her door would swing wide open by itself sometimes when she was in the room. Or she would hear someone knock her door at times where we'd all be fast asleep already. But the thing that scared me the most from her experience is when we left her to guard the house alone while my family went to the market to get groceries one time. She said that she kept hearing a lady's voice or something. That sounded like my mum coming from our room upstairs while she watches TV downstairs. And this reminded me of the last maid that we had when she was talking to the wall. And this got me sort of shaking a bit. I don't remember sleeping with the lights off ever again after that. Even up until this day, I still leave the lights on. Anyways, I think my mum got concerned for that maid at that time because she was hysterically crying while telling her all those stories. So she let her go back to her family. Nothing strange happened again with the maids after her, but I developed a thing where I prayed every night before I slept since I was scared. It was a terrible time though and one full of fear for me. I still get chills just thinking about it. This story happened slightly over 20 years ago back when I was 16. During this time, I lived with my mum and stepdad in a remote area, 70 miles west of Las Vegas, Nevada. So I had gone out to visit my friends, being allowed to drive myself for the first time ever. I had a lovely time watching a movie and getting food together, until it was time for me to head home. The curfew I was given was 10pm with a caveat that if I was running late for any reason, to find a payphone and call. The night wrapped up around me and my old 71 Chevy pickup as there were no streetlights or houses for most of my way home. As I pulled up for the first two of the stop signs, I could see an older sedan, old cars are still pretty common in that area, stopped with its hazards on. I pulled up behind it and waited as a, a man in his 30s or 40s started walking towards me from the driver's side. Even at this point, I didn't have any alarm bells going off. Being in the middle of the desert, providing assistance to stranded people was pretty common here. The people rapidly get into severe problems there, but not having enough water when a vehicle breaks down or not realizing that, well, it's a desert, people die wandering delirious away from the highway trying to find help. So it was pretty common to stop and help others. Anyhow, I rolled down my window and as he came abreast to my door, I could immediately smell the liquor I could also see another man in the passenger seat, and as this was before anyone that I knew had cell phones, and the nearest payphone was like a good 10 minutes drive ahead, I didn't have a way to call the cops on a drunk driver immediately. But the man explained that his car stalled and asked if I could help them out. I asked if his car was a stick shift, which it was, so I asked if he was familiar with push starting it. He said yes, 
So I agreed as gently as I could to push their car with my truck while they turned the engine over. For anyone that isn't familiar with this, it's a way to start a manual car that's having a battery or starter issue, specifically too, to get it somewhere to work on it. I knew my truck would be fine and I didn't feel like it would be wise to get out and try and push their car physically, and push starting the car worked without a hitch, but here's where things went south. They get back out and they thank me, then they invite me to hang out and have some fun with me. I decline, obviously, and they pull off to the side of the road and I continue on my way, but then they start following me. So here I am, it's really late, I'm running late because I stopped to help them, admittedly I hadn't given myself much leeway from leaving my friends, but these drunk creepy older guys have started to follow me on a road without any man-made light, except for car headlights and I'm at least 10 minutes away from any payphone. I think to myself, maybe I'm just being paranoid, so I turn down a road that I know gave me a couple of turnoffs to either head back to town or loop around to the gas station with a payphone. And the car follows directly behind me. I'm now thinking, crap, I could be in trouble. So I take another turn that only leads to a couple of houses at the end of the road and they turn behind me. I take another turn to loop around back to head to the station and they follow again so at least I know now that they're definitely following me and not just heading home. At this point my heart is pounding and I decided to try something to lose them. I pull to the side of the road and I see them pull up behind me. I wait as the driver gets out of the car and began walking towards me. His companion also gets out and starts walking towards me as well. I wait until they almost get to the tailgate, and then I floor it. My wheels dig into the rocks and flick dirt everywhere, causing a cloud behind me, and with the lead way, I head towards the gas station. When I get there, the gas station is deserted, but the payphone is showered in the light from the gas pumps. I call home and explain what happened and why I was running late. My stepdad asked if the gas station worker could be seen, and I let him know that I couldn't see him behind the counter. He was probably in the back. I wasn't in any trouble, but I was asked to hurry home quickly. In the end, I got home safely, which I'm very thankful for. And while I don't know exactly what those two guys were up to, I'm pretty sure it was no good. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.